0: Welcome to the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520, blanketing 50,000 watts to 17 states and much of Canada. And we have a young legend with us today. Mm -hmm. I had the good fortune of traveling with this man to meet with Lec Fawenza and the Pope, on many occasions and he's a true professional. He helped out tremendously during the early days of the Solidarity Movement publicizing the crisis in Poland when the Communists were trying to starve and freeze the people to turn against Solidarity. Let me tell you more about Rich Kelman. During his 32 years at Channel 2 in Buffalo, Rich Kelman reported over 4,500 stories about the lives of ordinary people, as well as the great events of our time. Rich has won two Emmys, the Edward R. Murrow Award of the Radio Television News Directors Association, the DuPont Columbia School of Journalism Award, and many AP Awards for outstanding reporting. He was inducted in the Buffalo Broadcasters Hall of Fame in 2005. I'd like to talk a little bit about changes in broadcasting and perhaps the deterioration of broadcast journalism. Let's talk about that. Rich Kellman.
1: Okay. Well, uh, first of all, thanks very much, Brian. It's good to see you again. I think it's been about 10 years since we last talked. Yeah. Like um, we,
0: we did a lot with the, uh, the Movement for Solidarity years ago and uh, you were very helpful bringing back these reports about the evil of communism, and now the people are free in that section of the world, so you had a lot to do with it.
1: Well, you guys had a lot to do with the coverage uh, here in Western New York. Um, I uh, hosted a dinner the other night uh, celebrating the 100th anniversary of the uh, liberation of uh, Poland and the reconstitution of it in 2000, in, uh, I'm sorry, 1918, the end of uh, World War One. And uh, I realized that I owed an awful lot from the people of Western New York. Uh, I don't think I would have had the career that I had, uh, including, I mean, everything, not just reporting on Poland, but uh, reporting on local news, had you folks not reached out to me and said, listen, we have a story for you which is really, really good, and the people of Western New York need to know about it. Because of their, uh, first of all, the the, uh, size of the Polish community, but also the world needs to know about solidarity and the quest for democracy by the Solidarity Movement. And this was uh, around 1981
0: or so. Right, 81, it all began.
1: And I could not have done it, uh, Brian, without uh, your help, without Richard Selecki, who also was instrumental in getting an interview with uh, Lech Wałęsa who was the, the, he was the icon. That is, uh, if you had to have a statue, it would be Lech Walesa, but there were many people behind him in the Solidarity Movement. And uh, they had a quest to overthrow the communist or bypass the communist regime and uh, become free once again. That eventually happened in 1989 to Eastern European countries. But in the meantime, uh, they seemed to me to be a good Uh, organization a wonderful uh, movement uh, in the quest for freedom uh, for Poland Uh, and going there opened my eyes to a part of the world and history beyond the United States that impinges on all of us even today in the quest for freedom so uh, that was what that was about and uh, Brian and I worked uh, with others uh, throughout the next uh, decade I suppose and maintaining contacts with uh, both uh, Pope John Paul II, the Vatican, and uh, people in Poland and officials as they moved along toward democracy.
0: Well, Rich was very helpful. He brought back the message from Lech Walesa and the Pope to hundreds of thousands of people in upstate New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Toronto. So he was extremely helpful, and that brought $100 million in food and medicine for the people of Poland so they could have heat, so they could have food, so they could withstand the uh, torture of the communists uh, denying the freedom with uh, solidarity. Let's talk about all the different media choices we have today. When you were starting in broadcasting, it was really basically three network (laughs) affiliates, and now people are probably looking at 32 (laughs) different (laughs) Well, we did have the DuPont network early on on television, so that was a fourth. So talk about that. Rich Kalman, formerly with Channel 2.
1: Yeah. I remember the evolution of broadcasting. I mean, I was a kid. We're talking about uh, when World War II broke out. I was born in 1940. And I remember my family being very much attuned to the news. They depended on it, they wanted to know what was going on in the world. And as you say, Brian, you know, what did you have? You had radio, but you also had only three uh, television networks, major networks at the time. And uh, you didn't have a lot of competing voices out there telling you what's going on. And by the way, uh, while doing that, interpreting what it is that they were reporting. And so I think that uh, virtually every American who got their news from broadcast in those days, in the 1940s and 50s and 60s, they had a a common uh, sense of what was happening, what was true. They had a common sense of facts. And, uh, and truth. Today, you have, it seems, you know a platform, a station, um, a channel, um, a website. Uh, you've got hundreds of them, if not thousands, uh, that are, we have access to nowadays. And more and more, you find people listening to the stations that they believe reinforces what makes them feel comfortable, and what they already believe. And so you have people nowadays uh, listening to and reading news sources uh, that reflect their opinions and their orientation. I think what's happened is uh, we hear a lot about the split in the American people about the divisiveness going on right now, and that's because, in my view, uh, that you don't really have to listen to anybody else and anybody else's uh, point of view because you can listen to what you want to hear that makes you feel comfortable uh, I think that that has a tremendous amount of uh, that's a, a the basis for I think uh, people not trusting not only news sources but other people in their community and uh, there's a lot of anger out there anger at uh, people I c- Uh, would term the other with a capital O who don't agree with you politically or perhaps religiously Mm -hmm. and folks seem to like to argue a a lot. I don't. Uh, I'd like to talk to people about their point of view. I'd like to interview them just as you're doing Brian now but I don't like to argue and fight because I think it dehumanizes them. It makes them less than another human being who may have something that I can learn from. Uh, We are seeing that a lot, and as a result, we are seeing a a sweep of nationalism uh, sweeping away, if you will, Europe in the way things used to be in Europe and in other parts of the world and in the United States and other countries in the West. So I don't think it's good. People don't seem to trust as much as they used to, and how we're going to move on from here is a— a big issue from this point on, but we do have to work together to try to fix this as best we can.
0: Well, we hope so. We hope more people can work together as you have in broadcasting. You've always tried to bring people together and to bring dialogue and discussion instead of fighting and animosity. You're always a unifier in your position in broadcasting, a role model for all. If you're listening in Buffalo or Toronto or Washington, D.C., drop us a note. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN, AM 1520, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York. Here's a plug for a newspaper that has had riches picture in many, many times over the years. I'm talking about the Ampol Eagle. Mm-hmm. Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Eagle. The Ampol Legal is available in many tops and Wegman stores for home delivery Call. 716 835 9454. That's 716 835 9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And I'd like to uh, mention uh, some of our guests we've received letters from with Bonnie Gordon Flickinger, Ray Ammerman regarding safe driving, and Rahil Raza regarding the Middle East in her recent book. Uh, coming up, we'll have you, uh, New York State Supreme Court Justice Frank Caruso, and another a veteran broadcaster who was one of the heads of Lifetime Television, Paul Noble, who used to tape Bishop Sheen, President John <laughs> F. Kennedy, in studios in New York, and Eleanor Roosevelt.
1: Well, I got to tell you something, Brian. Yeah. Uh, Bishop Sheen, my father loved that. Now, in New
0: York, he watched it?
1: No, uh, he watched it, at it was on the ABC network, mm-hmm. uh, and you know who was opposite to Bishop Sheen on was television as well. Guess <laughs> who? It, it was 8 p.m. on Tuesdays.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Milton Burrow. <laughs> so well, but he dad. was colorful, uh, Bishop Sheen. <laughs> he Very was. Colorful. And my father liked him a lot, and we are not Catholic. Uh, and he was not, but he admired what uh, Sheen had to say and how he said it. Uh, you know, I remember that today. I hadn't thought about that, Brian. In until the 50s. You brought yeah. this up. Yeah.
0: No, we're going to have the guy who produced that program for many years. Oh,
1: ask him about it. How did Sheen communicate with so many people? Who were not Catholic, and which is an important quality, I think, in anybody communicating. You've got to talk to the people you want to communicate with, and talk in their language. But my uh, my father used to, if you will, religiously <laughs> watch uh, Bishop uh, Fulton J. Sheen Tuesday night, eight o'clock, opposite Milton Burrow. <laughs> Meantime, we were upstairs, my sister and me, and we were watching Milton Burrow on <laughs> another TV
0: set. I don't know who is more entertaining. <laughs> A little more information about Rich Kalman, and I alluded to this before. He. Was was the first local American TV reporter to cover the Solidarity uprising in Poland in 81, Mm -hmm. 40 years ago. Couldn't
1: have done that, Brian, without the people in western New York, in the Polish community especially. Extremely open folks. Uh, They contacted me. I didn't say give me a story or I noticed that Solidarity is something that we ought to pay attention to. They contacted uh, contacted me and you were among them, and they were persistent. And
0: And we also had the telethon uh, for Poland at WGRZ-TV. We raised about Mm $300,000 at the studios, and we had the first telethon in the United States um, from Buffalo. And then Chicago copied us with Bobby Vinton. But uh, (laughs) anyway, Rich's reports included interviews with the leader of the Solidarity Movement and later president of Poland, Lech Wałęsa and other officials of the labor movement that helped bring about the fall of the Soviet Union. Rich also covered Pope John Paul II in the Vatican and during his visits to the US and Canada. Tremendous uh, broadcaster, a very honest, uh, decent man. Um, Let's talk about the quality of our journalists today. I understand there's quite a problem that a lot of these young people don't write that well. Their English isn't that good. Their pronunciation isn't that good. Well, look. What's the problem with the young people today in journalism? I don't know,
1: Brian. You know, we're always saying, these kids today. Yeah. Uh But look, the only way you get older and wiser is to get older and wiser. That's why I I believe that stations uh, need a mix of veterans who've been around for a while, and they have a perspective that you can't have at age 18, 19, 20, or 21, and yet, the young people know the technology and they know the culture of today. So, we can learn from each other. And I found that as uh, very, very helpful to me to be able to talk to young people about the way they see things. One of the young people I talk with quite a bit is my daughter, uh, Lori. Um, and Lori is a reporter for the Associated Press uh, in Washington. And you Mm -hmm. can imagine the exciting life that she's having right now in her profession. Uh, She was a um, history major at uh, SUNY Albany. And she went uh, to the uh, Democratic National Convention uh, as an intern in 1988. And she came away from that saying, oh wow, this is what I want to do. She was a history major. My father loved history and would talk to her about it. And this kind of grew through our family, and I'm very proud of her today. I think she's doing a terrific job. Uh, how would I say anything else, right?
0: Well, I was very happy because I brought a legend in print journalism to Western New York who was a dear friend of mine who passed, Arnold de Borgrov, who was the editor-in-chief of the Washington Times, former senior vice president of Newsweek, and author of Spike and Monimbo, And Rich Kalman, we had as the MC for the dinner, I believe it was the Amherst Republican dinner at, at uh, Samuel's Grand Manor about 30 years ago. And Rich was saying, gee, you know, I'd like my daughter to get involved in print journalism in Washington. And I said, well, you shouldn't be talking to me. So I introduced Rich Kelman <laughs> to Arno de Borgraff, the editor of the Washington Times. I said, can you hire his daughter? And what happened, Rich?
1: Well, uh, she moved on with that connection. Yeah, and yeah, I was very grateful, and she worked for a ton of newspapers around Washington, um, and eventually ended up at the Associated Press. Uh, she's been there 20 years, and knowledgeable and smart, and we laugh a lot. We tell stories by phone. We call each other every once in a while on our way home after work. Uh, from the car she'll talk and say you won't, won't believe what happened
0: mm-hmm.
1: but at the same time uh, we don't laugh at people necessarily we just think that things are the human comedy and uh, she she's doing really fine and I'm very happy that she found her purpose in life plus she is uh, married to a great guy who by the way works for the Pentagon. And uh, they have two children, a boy and a girl, and the boy is 17, hoping to go to the Naval Academy. Like, Great. I sure Wonderful. wish he could do that. He's exactly what they need now. He, he's smart. He's principled, uh, patriotic, too. Well, and, that, that's uh, good. That's so. good.
0: Well, I'm, gra- I'm glad. And I was very fortunate when I was a delegate at the Republican National Convention. A man from Washington came up to interview me as a delegate, Don Gagne. Don Gagne. With mm. NPR came yes. to my home to interview me about Trump <laughs> so
1: I'm afraid to ask what, what you told him
0: what did you tell him well I was uh, uh, a pretty positive but I said you have to work together with the opposition I was a legislator and I worked with liberal Democrats I mean Crystal Peoples and I we voted the same way for different reasons <laughs> mm-hmm. now let's talk about uh, the foundation of democracy the press and how important that is to democracy. You talked about the polarization in in America. Uh, how important is the press? It with is our essential. Democracy? I, I think
1: we all agree on that. But if you ask uh, average folks nowadays, how important is the press uh, in sustaining keeping our democracy alive? Uh, they would say it's important. But if you ask them to define. Uh, What press is? Are any people lying to you? Are they lying to you on purpose? Um, What should be done to um, report things in a way that you think might be fair and balanced? They won't agree. So, uh, the principle of the free press is essential. uh, As we all agree, I believe. And uh, the question is, how do you uh, how do how do you uh, produce a sense of trust? Uh, between the people and those providing the news. It is very difficult today. And that's an enormous problem. Uh, But I do remember some of the uh, great sayings. First of all, uh, when I talked to Tim Russert, one of the final times that he was here in Buffalo years ago, uh, he said that, I asked him, I said, did you ever want to be a priest? Because he was from South Buffalo. He said, funny you ask. Yeah, I did uh, for a short time. He said, but I consider what I do as a journalist as a calling. What that means is that you have, you put the public's interest ahead of your own because you want to make sure that you do a service for other people. You help other people understand what's going on in the world. And I believe that he was right, certainly for him. And I try to think of that too. That people depend on what I say and what I report. And I want to make sure I get it right. And I'm telling you, Brian, there were nights when I would go home after doing, let's say, an investigative report for Channel 2 and praying that I don't get a phone call saying that I was wrong about something really important, instrumental. Uh, I've, I've always feared being wrong about something, and so I try to research the heck out of it to make sure that I feel certain that what I'm saying is Uh, True that the facts are true to begin with and that the truth that comes out of that as people perceive it Does reflect a way that can help them understand the world not easy, but you have to be dedicated Uh, If I may add something else that there there are people uh, Who are in the business who shouldn't be in the business in my view? Um, There are people who purposely lie they will purposely tell a lie or an exaggeration that they know is not true, but they know it's going to gain them a bigger audience because it's, if you will, titillating. It's exciting. It makes them feel something. And specialists in communication have long said that if you want to get people's attention, speak to how they feel, their gut, not so much to the intellect. You can get to the intellect, give people information, but first you have to make them trust you and then make them feel something deep that, makes it, that stays with them. And uh, there are politicians who are skilled at that. Uh, are they ethical? Not in my view. Uh, you can't do that in today's world because you can have terrible things happen as a result of misinformation. So it's the people who purposely uh, misstate uh, facts that I think are uh, destructive and um, hurtful. They damage the uh, public conversation. And uh, I see it all the time. Uh, Journalists make mistakes. I've made errors, and I've had to correct them. And I can't wait to do it, because I I, want to let people know that I know that I was wrong about something and uh, try to straighten that out. But people who don't do that, who think they're always right, or they don't care whether they're wrong or right, is evil, I think. And I see that nowadays because of all of the little cocoons that we can put ourselves in to listen to say, um, I don't know, a left-wing radio talk show or a right-wing talk show. Because they're, I would say, entertaining. They hold your attention. Whether or not what they're telling you is accurate or in your best interest is another question.
0: Our guest today is Rich Kelman, legendary broadcaster with Channel 2, a man of honor and integrity. We're happy to have him on the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Montreal, or Manhattan, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you listening to our 50,000 watts of clear channel (laughs) power. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. I'd like to mention that I knew Tim Russert well when I was arranging an audience with the Pope. He was there at the Vatican, too. And I have to say I think he was a much better moderator of Meet the Press because he took both sides. And I'm a conservative Republican, but I think the current host, Chuck Todd, doesn't do what Russert did. Russert took both sides. Well, a few people do. Yeah, but Russert did. And he was a Democrat, and I was a Republican. But I think he was much better than the man who's on there now. Mm-hmm. I, I, I believe that. And also, Russert said he got his start in politics because of the parade. I've been running for 33 years, the Pulaski Parade. He met President John F. Kennedy at the Pulaski Parade when he was about 13 years old you in know, Buffalo. You,
1: you say something very important here, yeah. uh, Brian, uh, about the connections in Western New York that we make. Um, I. Was very pleased to see that uh, Rich Newberg, of course, who was retired from Channel 4, his uh, two sons are in broadcasting. Great. And the older son, David, great guy, uh, when he graduated, I think it was from Colgate University, he uh, went to Los Angeles. And his first job there was as an intern at my younger daughter, Julie's, and her husband's uh, video production company. Oh, good. And he was brilliant. Because he, you'll like this, as a conservative Republican, he gave added value to their business because he was creative. He came up with things. And they paid, They believed in paying interns because they're doing actual labor plus what? learning. But in return, the whole thing worked beautifully because he gave them ideas and did some programming for them that was very helpful. So, uh that's an, one example of many that I can give you about the connections that we make. His what? other his other son, by the way, Michael, who is in uh, New York working for CNN. Great. And I, I believe he is now in London covering Brexit and he's another great guy so oh, that's good this well, you know we,
0: we joke about the three nice jewish boys <laughs> who did so well on three different stations and uh, uh, kevin remembers we brought irv weinstein here many times he sat in that chair mm-hmm. uh the late irv weinstein and we're going to talk a little bit about him in a minute and uh Then you you mentioned Rich Newberg, who I've worked with many times, and yourself, and they've all done well, and they appealed to the audiences in Buffalo. We had here uh, at the station Andy Card. He sat in that chair, the former chief of staff for George W. Bush for six years, the longest-lasting chief of staff in the history of our country, and he talked about uh, something very lacking in the media, that when he worked for President Bush, all reporters had to have two corroborated sources, and they had to double-check any story with two sources. And he said the problem with the media now is they don't have any sources corroborated. <laughs> they just go and say whatever they want, and that disturbed him a lot. Talk about that, Rich Kalman.
1: Well, ideally, yes, you should have uh, a number of sources to corroborate a story that's reporting. The problem is that it, uh, broadcasting has become uh, so competitive nowadays and there are so many outlets that everybody's trying to be first and hopefully one of those – it's like throwing things against the wall, you know, that something will stick. But if you listen to the what I consider the legitimate news outlets, uh, you'll find that they, uh, they word their statements very carefully. Uh, you know they, they they will say that uh, uh, a source said this or that. If people don't believe the person who's making the statement, then that's not that style is not going to last very long. But there are people that uh, folks trust, uh, and that's why trust is so important in broadcasting.
0: We have forty seconds left. You did a beautiful documentary in Herbert Weinstein's daughter. Uh, Beth loved it. Uh, tell us about that little documentary. Oh,
1: yeah. Um, I did a uh, a film. It was actually a, a tribute to Irv uh, by Kadima School in Buffalo because he and his wife Elaine had been longtime supporters of Kadima. And... Uh, So I did about a 10-minute profile of her. And as I said years ago, and I really sat down with him when he retired in 1999, you know, I wish that we had talked uh, long ago. I wish I had known you longer. I really admired him. And at the very end of his life, he said to me, I'm a lucky guy. And I think Elaine agrees with me. Unfortunately, he died very shortly of ALS. A
0: great, great but, man. I'm sorry we've been the Rusk Report to a close. We've had a great talk with Rich Kelman, tremendous broadcaster, honest, decent, impartial, a great role model for all journalists. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, our director of production for the last 15 years, who's worked very hard for us. Thank you for enlightening us. Rich Kelman, formerly of WGRZ-TV. Have a great week.